I want to create an environment wherever it may be that allows them to just show up and focus on the task at hand and enjoy this very busy, chaotic juggling act, but in a way that they're set up for success. Welcome to episode 40 of The Future of Work, the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future. We release two podcasts a month, featuring industry experts and thought leaders discussing how work is changing and evolving. The future of work is now. This show is brought to you by Wanda for their blog, Chaos and Rocket Fuel. Wanda are productivity and human behavior specialists whose mission is to break legacy behaviors before they destroy your team's professional productivity and personal health. And you can check them out at wonder.com. That's W-N-D-Y-R.com. Our podcasts are available on all main platforms. If you find this content of value, please follow and share. I'm Doug Folks, and this week with Wonder CEO Claire Hadar, we meet Abby Donnell, the founder and CEO of Work and Mother, a network of amenitized, full-service, fully equipped mother suites that support working mums. Before devoting her work full-time to work and mother, Abby spent her career in marketing and brand strategy. Abby has a BS and BA in advertising and Spanish language from the University of Colorado at Boulder, an MBA from Rice University, and is a certified lactation counselor. She is also a working mother herself, with first-hand experience of the challenges that today's working families face. I want to state at the outset that this is not a podcast just for our female listeners. As we will find out, lack of amenities in general in the workspace is something that can affect everyone. Today we will discover what problem work and mother is solving, what legacy Abby would like to leave for the future workplace, and the legal obligations employers face when supplying amenities for their workforce. But before that, let's look briefly at some other amenities that should be taken into account when looking at retention and enablement of the workforce. The number one that I think it, everyone has, has had their eye on, especially with this past year, year and a half with the pandemic, is childcare. That is, I think, such a tricky one to address. And I wish we, you know, I wish I had a good idea, a good way to amenitize it or provide a solution. But I think that is the number one focal point to be able to help today's workforce. And, you know, that and <laughs> transportation for families. I don't know how, once again, I don't know how you amenitize some of these or how you tackle them. And that's why we need some other like very sharp minds to be thinking on it and, and seeing innovative solutions. But, you know, for families in, in particular, trying to get to an office or then, you know, pick up kids from daycare or take them to soccer practice or get over here or, you know, one kid has a recital. I think, you know, how you manage these chaotic family schedules from a transportation standpoint and safety with, you know, do you have the right car seats in each car or if this car's coming or if you're going to Uber here, um, that and childcare, um, I think those are the two biggest uh, issues facing today's working families. I'm giggling while you're giving this answer because um, I read, I don't know if you know, but Kinfolk magazine have just recently introduced a parenting magazine called Kindling. I got issue one 
And they have this hilarious article in this magazine about apparently sometime in, I can't remember, it was, but it was kind of like the 60s, the 1960s. Apparently, they created baby cages. And what they essentially, what these baby cages were, was literally for mothers who just needed some respite from the kids that were in these tiny New York and other big cities here in the U.S. apartments. And so they created these cages that they would put these babies into and they would suspend them out the windows of these major... Oh, I saw that picture. Did you see that picture? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, (laughs) I did. So like how... It's hard to believe that's real. No, it's really hard to believe it. And that's the whole point of this article was that they were like... If you think about it, like the same stress that drove mothers to invent this baby cage and like the lunacy of like hanging your baby, like literally suspending them out of this like high rise building is the same lunacy that has in many ways been caused by COVID. Like parents are equally desperate, but in different ways. You know, that was the question that the article was posing is that what are the behaviors that we're going to look back on that our kids are going to look back on and go what you were hanging us out of a window (laughs) what i'm thinking about what you're saying is it's like you know are you going to see car manufacturers like creating high-speed pods you know that like pick the kid up at school and zoom them off to you know some recital or something and i think there's some really really interesting things that will start emerging I'd really like to start with the actual problem that you're solving at Work and Mother. Um, This is a topic as a lactating mom myself who has gone through this journey before. I know about the very deep frustrations. Like this topic that we're talking about today is emotional and it's a very raw topic. And I'd love for you to start there at that point and, and talk to us about why you're doing what you're doing because of the huge pains that exist in this area. Yes, absolutely. So um, I actually started working mother before I became a mother myself, um, which surprises a lot of people. But I, at the time I was um, working in marketing and I was also going to school to get my MBA. And it was at that time in life that all of my friends started having kids and I watched as they struggled to go back to work as, you know, they tried to continue breastfeeding, but were met with just unfavorable conditions at work, to put it nicely, I guess. It seemed like, you know, whenever we got together, the topic of conversation always kind of resorted back to breastfeeding and pumping and trying to go to work and juggle both and, you know, having to roam the office looking for a place each day and forgetting parts and having to run to the store in the middle of the day and it was causing, you know, burnout, guilt, emotional, you know, struggles. And at the time, since I didn't have kids, I had nothing to add to the conversation. So I just sat back and listened and thought how awful that sounded. And I knew I wanted to have kids. And I looked around my workplace. And even though my company was super supportive and family friendly from a culture standpoint, there was no physical place. It was a wide open floor plan all glass walls, you know, a single unisex bathroom. And I just thought to myself, like, no, this isn't going to work. And so I started asking around. I talked to a lot of moms. I talked to a lot of companies. And that's when I learned that there's actually a legal component to this in that the majority of employers are legally obligated to provide a space other than a bathroom for a mom to pump. And even these big companies that should have had the resources, you know, and the space to do so were failing. Uh, The turnover rate was huge, you know, 
it was costing companies, lawsuits were spiking. And so I just thought there has to be a better way to address this in a, in a way that benefits both, you know, employers and moms and families. And so that's kind of how I got started. And I was actually pregnant with my first when I launched our first location. So I got, I got to test it all in real time. <laughs> Credible. I, I think something that's really important to add here is, you know, you've chosen to focus on this one particular immunity, which mostly impacts mothers and, um, you know, in their breastfeeding phase. But this is a much larger issue that actually extends to men as well. And I've had conversations with a lot of single men who, for example, in airports have major issues. Like if you have a dad who has a daughter, like what bathroom does he take her to? You know, he he can't go into the female bathroom where the diaper changing table is because he's not allowed there. But he also is absolutely not going to take his baby girl into the men's bathroom because there isn't a changing table there. And so it's just this is, you know, our conversation today is going to be focused around what you're doing. But there is actually a much larger issue here around parenting facilities and parenting amenities that is actually completely gender neutral. Like it's got nothing to do with the gender. It's the fact that parents are not being catered for in ways that they need to be catered for in a combination of public and working spaces. You mentioned there that you you weren't a mother when when you thought of this and it was really from witnessing the situations in the workplace. So I'm just gonna ask you around Acting as an entrepreneur, I mean, you obviously saw a situation here. What what were you doing at at the time? Were you, were you heavily into a corporate environment, or you know what what made you have that jump to have a an entrepreneurial attack at this problem? Yeah, um, I've always been um, rather entrepreneurial. You know, I was that kid growing up that always had either a lemonade stand or went door to door selling pictures or, you know, whatever I, I was always had that kind of in me and, um, watched my, my dad had, has his own business. So I've watched that. Um, and the company, the marketing company I worked for as well, encouraged that kind of thinking and freedom. Um, so it's always been a part of the way I've thought about things and approached problems, but, you know, (laughs) selfishly too, I saw the need, I saw others struggle, and I knew that was the path that I would soon be on, and I didn't want to struggle like that. And so, you know, I I set out to create the solution that I, you know, hoped to have for myself, but wish my some of my friends had had. And so um, I think a big piece of being entrepreneurial is just talking to a lot of people and really what their pain points are. And, and that's what organically grows from there. To also address your question, I was working in marketing my environment in particular wasn't huge corporate, but I had a variety of different clients, many of which were. And so I was actually able to see a lot of different company cultures, a lot of different, you know, corporate settings and offices. And that also helped kind of inform the fact that it didn't really matter which setting, you know, these working moms were in, there wasn't a good solution in any of them. So that, that really helped as well. Okay, so Abby, let's let's dive into the actual details. Talk to us about what a work and mother amenity facility in an office looks and feels like. Yes, so our suites, they you can think of them a bit like a building gym. They're not in a particular office space. Um, rather, they're in the office building itself as a shared space amenity. So, for example... 
we are most often either on the ground floor or the amenity floor in a place that's pretty easy to access for anyone in the building. Our suites are set up with safety, sanitation, and comfort in mind. So we like to say they're spa-like yet professional. And there's a few reasons. Obviously, you know, the safety one is vital. Sanitation, particularly coming off a pandemic, is huge. You know, when you think a lot of a lot of the existing solutions that moms are, you know, having to deal with, it's a bathroom, which should never be the case, but it is. Um, wellness rooms, which, you know, if someone is unwell that's and is using it before you, that's the last place you want to go in and prepare food for a newborn, especially if you have an immunocompromised newborn. You know, some moms are having to pump in their car or, you know, just the latest one I heard, which... <laughs> was so sad, but a mom, you know, was working in an environment that was a dog friendly company and they had a, a dog room, I guess, that also doubled as a mother's room. And, and so there's all these environments that are both sad just in general, but all, you know, not the sanitary environment you want to be preparing food for your baby in. So that's a huge component. And then the other piece is it, it has to be comfortable because when your body is tense, when you're feeling vulnerable, when you're like scared a coworker is going to walk in on you, you actually hinder the letdown process. And so, you know, a lot of moms see their supply dropping once they go back to work. And a big piece of that is that they're pumping in these subpar environments and their body is physically stressed and tense and that can interfere with their milk letdown. Um, so our spaces have private rooms with locking doors. Every room has every single thing they need to pump. Um, the hospital grade pump, the you know, sanitizing wipes and supplies, storage bags, land-to-land breast pads, you name it, you know, it's there right there waiting for them. They just bring in their attachment kit. And um, a lot of our private rooms have workstations because uh, let's face it, moms are multitaskers and they want to, you know, get out of get out of the office in a timely manner, get back to kids. And most of them are usually multitasking and working while they pump. So if that's, you know, mom's choice, we've got it set up for them to be able to do that. Abby, whether you like it or not, you've created something that is going to be vital for the future of work, which is really what the podcast is, is about. Just tell me in a bit more detail what you'd like to create for future generations in the workplace. I really want to create a workplace for future generations that enables the individual to really thrive at, at kind of both of their roles or whatever whatever they're setting out to succeed at. Because right now, moms are kind of set up to fail at this juggle. And I think one thing we saw with the pandemic is that the future is very much flex. And that is something we are all about. And it, you know, it actually, in a way, reinforces everything we're doing. Because now, you know, the future of work is a little bit more flexible, they can travel, their time isn't as structured. But that also means, you know, they need places to pump that may be outside of their individual office footprint, for example. They need ways to ship breast milk or to, we have a partner that helps them, you know, do a freeze drying process. So it creates a shelf stable powder for them. So, you know, moms are freed up to take a meeting on the other side of town. And if they have to pump, they pop into one of our locations or, you know, if they're traveling rather than trying to, you know, fill a cooler full of milk and carry it on, they can take advantage right in our suites of one of our 
you know, partner services, which is this breast milk freeze drying process. At any point, we have all the equipment they need. So they're not, you know, dragging a really, really heavy background and having to carry the mental, the mental load of, you know, did I pack all the parts? Did I pack all the pieces? Do I have freezer bags? All of that. For the future generations, I want to create an environment wherever it may be that allows them to just show up and focus on the task at hand and enjoy this very busy, chaotic juggling act, but in a way that, you know, they're set up for success. I'm just going to take a 10 second break to ask you if you're finding this podcast of value. If you are, please follow us on your platform of choice. Remember, we have new content published twice a month. I just recall how frustrating pumping was, you know what I mean? It's it's not like, it's not easy to pump. That's all I can say, you know what I mean? And I think most women will admit that at some point in their pumping breastfeeding journey, there was a lot of tears, a lot of frustration, a lot of pain until, you know, everything kind of like settled in. But just looking at the images and, and the environment that you've created, it it's so, so true what you say about the that stress and how it impacts the mother's actual ability to function, you know, just looking at, at how you guys have set it up, you definitely are addressing that very real neurological and physiological need that is often very overlooked. Because what you often find is that employers are coming at it purely from, it's just a space. And then it kind of stops there, you know, but the thoughtfulness that goes into, but what kind of space it is, is where that growth needs to happen. Exactly. I'm, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, we always say that, it, you know, if it was just about the space, anyone could provide it, but it's not. It's about the space. It's about the equipment, the cleaning, the sanitization, the support resources. We actually offer quite a few support resources and telehealth options, um, you know, from lactation consultants to sleep coaching and career coaching, mental health, you know, all of it, because it's it's such a huge you know, period of change and learning, regardless of it's, you know, your first, second or third kid, you know, each one is different and your body reacts differently. And everyone's kind of going back to work in different environments or different timelines. And there is just so much involved that we kind of like, moms have just been sort of thrown back into a sink or swim situation, but with so little support. And what we are trying to do is address the problem holistically and provide the, you know, the physical support, but also all the other support that's really necessary. And, you know, again, coming back to the point that I made, you know, at the start, we need to start broadening this conversation and bringing the broader LBGQT community into this as well, because it impacts them. And I have actually got quite a few friends in our friendship circle who are gay couples and one of them for example has he's actually struggled with this exact issue at work not because he's been doing the pumping but because their surrogate they have wanted to provide the very best facilities to their surrogate because the surrogate is providing such an essential service to their children you know because the surrogate is a working woman and needs to be able to have all of these things that we've just been discussing. And so, you know, it it definitely extends. This isn't just a female issue. Well, and even, so, I mean, to your point, their surrogate needs a space and the equipment and the resources to, uh, you know, to do her part. But then there's also a huge 
mental and emotional component for the gay couple who's trying to think through it and manage it logistically and navigate this new world, but they still, you know, care very much about their career. And so in order to set them up for success, both with family and career, you know, you've got to have support options in place. Um, so I love that example. I think it's amazing that, you know, hopefully what we're doing can really help everyone. Okay, so Abby, what I'd like us to do now is I'd like to take the conversation a little bit more broadly. And can you shift away for a little while from purely breastfeeding and lactating needs and look at it more broadly through the broader amenity lens? And can you describe to us what you feel are some of the other amenities that employers maybe don't understand that they have legal obligations around or that there aren't necessarily currently legal obligations around, but that are severely, they're real gaps in the workplaces that we've created to date. Yes. So I can't really speak to legal obligations outside of what we're doing. What I can say just as far as legal obligations and the future of workplace from an amenity standpoint is that every day the law is progressing both from a federal standpoint and, you know, a local state municipality standpoint to better serve families. Um, thankfully now they're slowly progressing and it's long overdue, but they, you know, there's new legislation being introduced all the time. And that is largely driven by the fact that we have more women in office than ever before. And this problem, you know, the way working moms have been struggling in an isolated manner it's no longer in isolation. Moms are talking about it. You know, social media has driven pictures of the situation and there's a lot more awareness and a lot less stigma around, you know, speaking up on it. And so from an employer standpoint, especially, you know, from state to state, as things change, the amenity setup allows them to ensure that they are always in compliance because we, you know, we, monitor all of the changing legislation and we make sure we're ahead of all of it. Um, in fact, we like to say that we are setting the bar far higher than, than what the law addresses. But, you know, for a company with, you know, offices in different states or different areas, by having the amenity set up, it basically allows them to, to easily satisfy that compliance and do it in a way that goes far above and beyond what they could provide on their own. Abby, I'm just going to continue maybe with Claire's theme of, of the bigger picture. Where do you actually dream that work and mother can go? Um, my dream is that work and mother is as common in the workplace as you know, an office building, quite frankly. Um, I want moms to have the freedom to be able to pop in to our suites, whether or not they're even at work or on a work day. I mean, um, I want moms to be able to go to the mall you know, with their families and not have to worry about pumping or, you know, finding a place to breastfeed. I want them to be able to live freely and know that there is always a support system or location either, you know, nearby physically in one of our suites or at their fingertips through our app. You know, we, we are a very active culture moving around a lot and I want moms to be able to be part of it all, but without sacrificing their breastfeeding goals. So, Abby, can I ask a a, a clarification question there? Are you basically wanting to open this as, and excuse me if this is the wrong terminology, but almost as a retail outlet? So as easily as I can walk into a Lululemon or a Gap store, 
or a grocery shop for that matter, I'd be able to pop into a working mother to do my breastfeeding on the go. Eventually down the line, yes, that's what I, I would love to see that happen. I'd yeah. love to see us everywhere, as convenient as can be. Okay, so that's actually a perfect segue into the next question that I, I have for you. So what I'd really like to understand is, is what is the resistance that you're currently getting from, I've called them customers, but I, I think I'm more interested in the actual property development side. So the people where and the facilities where this amenity would be provided, what are, what are the typical resistance points that you see? I think the biggest one for us, the biggest hurdle at the moment is simply education. I mean, what we're doing is so new. Um, and for landlords, you know, we've actually had a lot of even inbound requests from landlords and property owners who see the value in this and they, and they like the concept, but it's a new thing that they're incorporating. So with that, you know, it takes a lot of education and time and understanding. The lack of awareness also spurs the question a lot of like, well, how many people actually need this? You know, and then it's like, well, <laughs> Actually, it's a lot more than you realize because they're suffering in silence or they're walking to their cars to pump or, you know, they are quitting or stopping pumping before they want to. But not only that, you know, it affects every single company, either from a compliance standpoint or like you're saying, you know, your example earlier, the LGBTQ community, it affects everyone. And so there's education around sort of the domino effect, both to families, but also to employers, bottom line. And all of that is just an awareness piece. Um, and so, you know, even for some of our customers, they will walk into our spaces before they become customers and go, oh my gosh, this is not what I expected at all. This is amazing. And it's just because everything people are used to are just kind of moms dealing with what, what exists. Um, and so that's been really the biggest hurdle is like the the assumption someone makes when they hear we're creating a lactation suite of what that is. And then the, also, you know, the existing kind of fact that it's been ignored for so long. I, I laughed when you said, well, like how many people? Well, like 50% of the human population. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the number right there. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's just, there's a little bit of a disconnect and like, well, I, I, I did actually have one guy say, well, um, he was, it was, he was talking about his company and he was like, well, I don't know what the moms here have been doing um, in the past, but they've obviously been getting by. And I wanted to be like, <laughs> well, what does your turnover rate look like? And how many women do you actually have, you know, are you actually retaining here? Because I have a feeling your company culture is not as great as you think it is, if that's yeah. your attitude. And just to get really specific there with you, am I hearing you correctly that you're saying, it's not just the education of the immunity provider, so the property developer or the employer, but it's actually of the customer themselves. Because as you say, women have just settled for less than. And, you know, gay couples have just settled for less than. Yes. And one thing I like to encourage people to do, there's, there's nuances, right, to the way we've just dealt with things and the way we speak about things. But I always encourage people when they are in an office or at a convention or, you know, just in a new space, not to ask if there is a lactation room, ask where it is, put the, put the shame and the onus on the, the host to figure that out because it's for too long. It's been on the mom to figure it out. And like, you know, it's, sh it just shouldn't be that way. And, and moms, you know, it makes them feel embarrassed or, or nervous, or, you know, some in particular are worried, you know, if, if they've just been out on maternity leave, they don't want to come back asking for anything else. And it's like, you 
A, have the right to, but B, you are a valuable piece of the workforce. Like don't cut your, don't sell yourself short and don't be the one shouldering this burden in isolation. And I encourage, I encourage all coworkers to speak up on that note. You know, um, it shouldn't just be on the moms to ask for it. It should be on the workforce to make sure that, you know, anyone in their office is taken care of and supportive. But, um, but yeah, little nuances like that, where, you know, instead of asking if there is one, ask where it is. It's interesting that you should say that, Abby, because I've started getting stroppy like that. So like I've moved beyond the, the breastfeeding stage, but I'm getting stroppy about that, about um, diaper changing stations where I'm just infuriated about the lack of them. And I'm having to change my child on a bathroom floor and it's just, I'm done with this. And I like, I like walk out of the bathroom, like all stroppy, stroppy. And I'm like, where is the diaper changing table? <laughs> There, and I have actually been talking with, um, there's another company you should look into who's tackling that one. And they've got, you know, a much more modern and cleaner diaper changing table than we've settled for, you know, the la- either a complete lack of one or the dirty broken one that we've settled for for so long. What's that company's name? Pluey. Pluey. Yes. I love to see so many new innovations and companies started by moms because they've they've been tired it's like no more abby my next point i mean we've spoken all around work and mother but maybe for, for a lot of the listeners we've missed out the most important question is where where can they find them i know that you started in houston what are your more immediate plans or how many amenities do you have at the moment and what are your immediate plans on expansion Yes. So we're still a young company. We have locations in Houston, opening soon in Austin, and some in the pipeline um, in Dallas and and in four other markets. Um, I can't give too much away just yet um, because we haven't made those announcements publicly, but we plan to be growing outside of Texas very quickly, very soon. Um, so I will keep you posted on that. But <laughs> like I said, our goal and our, our growth plans are to be, you know, as convenient as possible for today's workforce. So we want to be everywhere and we plan to be everywhere very quickly. Abby, we've got time for my last question, I think. And you've mentioned a few things that are, that are potentially you know, massive headaches for yourself. Have you got anything specifically that you would like to work on as your next amenity? I don't know that I'd say amenity. I definitely have a passion, I think, and I there is a lot of innov- innovation in this area, but I still think we have so far to go with the breast pump and the breastfeeding experience to make it much more enjoyable and efficient for moms. It People assume because that's a natural thing, it's an easy thing, and that is so far from the truth. And you know, breastfeeding is one thing and it's very challenging, but pumping itself is a whole different thing and it is less beautiful and it is much more mechanical. And I just think there's so much progress still to be made in what that looks like and how how it's done. And so that's a little bit more where my interest lies, but still, I mean, still very much intertwined with what I'm doing now. Thank you, Abby. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And I really do hope that, you know, this is just another conversation that really does open more doors for you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me. And that's where we'll leave it. Abby Donnell, a mother and entrepreneur carving a future for herself and looking out for the enablement of the future workforce. 
We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, we would appreciate that you follow us on your preferred platform and share with friends and colleagues. Just a reminder for more information about Wonder and the integration services that they supply, you can visit their website. That's WNDYR.com. And so from me, Doug Folks and Chaos and Rocket Fuel, stay safe and we'll see you soon. <laughs>